The following podcast is rated M for mature language, themes, and content. Listener discretion is advised. And it's also rated S for spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. In a world of cable cutting and video on demand, one streaming service offers a ray of hope to humankind. From the heights of science fiction, fantasy, and animation, to the depths of reality TV and everything in between. We're looking at you, rom-coms. Netflix originals deliver the content you crave, but are they good? We're about to find out. This is Netflix and Podcast. Yeah, but devastating nonetheless. I mean, freaking that chimpanzee effective. killed me. Completely yeah. effective, yeah. Okie doke. <sighs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> We're in it to win it. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Dr. T, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Joy and Seamus. Thank you, as always, for joining us here at Netflix and Podcast, the show where we talk about Netflix originals and only Netflix originals, examining them through the lens of storytelling, psychology, sociology, visual effects, and when it's all said and done, we give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So, we're here. Tiger King, Episode 7, Dethroned. This is it. Joe Exotic finally goes down karma's a bitch and joe you're it thoughts feelings kind of a big picture now that we're here at the final act of the murder mayhem and madness story it's just true that nobody wins in this situation there's no justice for anybody in this situation because it seems like there's still a lot of investigations that are ongoing until all these motherfuckers are in jail and convicted and their zoos are shut down no one's winning right but at Mm -hmm. least you know since then we've seen some stuff in the news happen but it's going to be interesting to see if anyone else actually who else goes down what else happens but again this this documentary did exactly what's done every time it allows you to feel a little bit bad for joe and then right away you don't feel bad for him again like it's that emotional roller coaster ride this last episode definitely took you there you were up and down crying at least i was laughing going oh my gosh and just shock and awe and you're you you don't leave this feeling like good you know it's just like (laughs) yeah no no don't feel good we don't feel good at the end of this yeah because i think even even saf says at one point in this episode that like there's not a single animal that benefited from this whole ordeal it just it was a personal grudge that two two people had for each other and joe just couldn't keep his mouth shut uh wanted to be a diva and famous and and all that kind of stuff and just he slowly hung himself himself with his own rope kind of thing yeah it was a rough one i mean you never like to see another human being suffering and it seems like joe certainly is uh so again we can feel sympathy for him there but then you are shown explicitly what he did that was that was illegal that was wrong abusing animals frankly uh in a a variety of ways very likely that he was trying to get another human being killed maybe egged on by somebody else so but that doesn't i mean that's the thing uh you get this whipsaw kind of effect or this whiplash effect where you kind of feel a little bit bad for them for joe specifically and then you're like nah 
uh, you can empathize with him and, and, and feel kind of his pain as a human being, but I really have no question that he's in the right place, which is, we'll find out. <laughs> so we start this episode with like a little bit of the good old days. It's showing Joe at a, in a carnival and they're playing games. He's dancing and Travis is there. And they're running through the house of mirrors and John Finley's there. So this is kind of like a little flash of the heyday. Good times are rolling. Joe's the man. He's the Tiger King. And then you flash forward to the present. Joe's awaiting trial. He's in a cage. And he kind of mentioned this line, or he mentions this thing where he's like, your soul dies when you're in here. And it, and it seems like Joe's beginning to have an inkling of what he inflicted upon animals uh, for this entire time and what he did with his tigers and some of the other animals that were captive at his park in poor conditions. So that's kind of that little opening segment. And then we kind of get to what's happening at the GW Zoo. Apparently, uh, Jeff and Tim Stark have joined forces. It's sort of like Captain Planet, but if all five of the kids were like just assholes and they all just combined to make one bigger asshole that's like <laughs> Captain Asshole, I guess. That's kind of how I envision that. It's like you got these two guys uh, together. It's really going to be a bad day for everybody. Jeff and Tim Stark are working on their new zoo and Joe's calling his husband Dylan Passage three times a day and having, you know, frankly, some pretty some pretty sad sounding conversations. And then Jeff Lowe is letting the feds go through all of Joe's files, going through the zoo, basically letting them dig up any dirt that they can uh, possibly find on Joe, digging up tiger skeletons that are gonna be uh, likely involved in his criminal prosecution. And we get our first commentary for uh, from Doc Ellis for a while, where he's Antle. like, uh, yeah, Doc Antle. Who's Doc Ellis? Am I? Am I, did I just create a new person? I think, I think so. I did. And you've been, even you've been sucked into the world of Joe Exotic. Yeah, I'm, I'm creating new, uh, new docs along the way. Got Dr. T, got uh, Doc Antle and Doc Ellis, the mystery uh, doctor. I don't know what he does. But uh, anyway, one of them saying, oh, the charges are trumped up. And then boom, our girl Amanda Green says, fuck that. She steps, steps in and slaps Joe with some, Tiger killing, cub breeding, and murder for hire charges. So she's not having it. Again, I'll reiterate, she should have her own show. I just I just want more. Anytime I see Amanda Green, I'm like, I want more of her laying the smack down on these jerks, uh, whether it be, you know, animal rights issues or just scandalous, salacious, or illegal behavior in, in, in all manner. I just want to see her doing her yep. thing. I think she's great. Yep. You know who her partner should be? Uh, Detective McDreamy. No, the FBI agent from the McDonald's documentary on HBO. My God. The funny guy. Oh, yeah, right? he's amazing, too. He's yep. the best. Sorry, yeah. tangent, total opposite. <laughs> but, like, they would be great, like, uh, yep. you know, Sully and Muller. Two yep. opposites. Yep, exactly. He's, like, exactly. hardcore, and he's right. like, oh, we're having fun here. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to wear a suit with a bunch of, I don't know, McDonald's french fries on it or something. <laughs> the best documentary yeah, ever. that guy was awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Netflix, sorry. get on that. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, it seems like Joe's completely screwed, regardless of what Doc Antle uh, had to say about it. They kind of dive into that later in the episode about the trial and concerns that are questions that I came to last episode. Like, why are they trusting all three of these felons to go after this other guy? And at least the way it's displayed in the show... I don't know about you guys, but it left me wondering that still where it's like, yeah, like oh, no, how totally. could the jury, how could the jury like 
think that the murder for hire part, like the tiger killings and stuff, those are specifically murder for hire. Like there's a lot of leaps that you have to make given the information that we have anyway, you know, like the, mm-hmm. there's no money trail kind of thing. We're just trusting the words of a couple of felons and then another petty criminal kind of thing. So, but like if I put myself in a juror's position and I don't have the context of this whole show that we've watched and they show me the footage of Joe like shooting the blow up doll and saying he's going to kill Carol over and over and over again. It's almost like, sorry, you cried wolf too many times, dude. You're mm-hmm. screwed. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing that probably sealed it was all of that video and audio evidence of him pretending to shoot her <laughs> like literally like, saying the thing he's he's basically confessing over and over and over and over again to the very thing that they're charging right, him with right so i think that combined with the fact that joe's not a very likable person i mean he's charismatic uh, and i think that that was one of the concerns they had is he going to slide his way through this is he going right. to kind of con his way through this as he's done in many other situations right. now had they not attached all of the other charges maybe but i think if you have all these videos of him and then you've you've got this testimony these guys and then you know that he's abused these animals no you're going down dude (laughs) you know exactly exactly it's this uh big old bouquet of bad stuff and it (laughs) seems like it was very intentional to bring all these charges together because when confronted by the animal the illegal killing of an endangered animal, which is to say tigers, the illegal breeding and transfer and transport and everything of cubs. And then you slap the murder for hire stuff in with all of the damning social media posts and YouTube video and Joe Exotic TV segments. No matter how many alligator tears he cries on the stand, I don't see how anyone buys it at that point. And of course, Joe's got an excuse for everything. He's got an answer for everything. Well, I didn't actually kill the tigers. I was putting them out of their misery and I was euthanizing them. I wasn't actually threatening Carol. I was actually just acting tough to protect myself from animal rights activists and Carol who were coming after me. So, oh, and then the murder for hire thing. No, 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 that wasn't me. It was actually Jeff Lowe setting it all up, which to be fair for that specific part, I'm like, yeah, it does actually sound like- That could have happened. That could have probably happened. Oh, Um, 100%, yeah. Because then you, I mean, you've got tape of- Jeff and Alan talking about getting their deal. Obviously, we knew from the previous episode that uh, Jeff Lowe and James Gerritsen were kind of in cahoots to to get this ball rolling. And it was James Gerritsen's text to Carol that really escalated things with the fish and game uh, authorities that kind of brought this whole thing into a head. So they're highly involved, certainly had a motivation, their own skeletons in the closet, literally and figuratively. Yeah, so it seems like, at least as far as that part is concerned, the actual execution of the murder for hire plot, I mean, that was one of the things that I feel like is such a loose end here. And they mentioned it in this episode, like how in the world did those guys not get charged? How did Jeff get away? How did James Gerritsen get away? How did Alan Glover get away when they're fully involved all you know through that, the whole thing? So that part seemed a little sketchy and it seemed like there is some hints that there may have been an agenda or something fishy about that that was like the one thing that didn't square and i would like to know what amanda green thinks about that because homegirl's on top of it and uh i'm sure she knows exactly what the deal was 
why they gave whatever deals they gave and uh, why they charged Joe the way that they did. And why we don't that? know for sure that they even got a deal. It, that whole see that whole thing it's so sketchy it's we don't know strange. we just know that they weren't called in to testify yeah. right well affliction doesn't make any like court attire you know so i don't think jeff Lowe would go in well so this is a this is an aside um in a separate interview not featured on this uh, tiger king documentary but in a separate podcast carol talked about when she was going to go to court she only has like animal prints she only has like leopard and tiger prints so she actually had to go to Goodwill to buy some clothes. And her her goal was to buy stuff that would fit in with like a Midwestern kind of Oklahoma crowd. Mm-hmm. So Carol, interesting, very thrifty, shopping at Goodwill, and then also savvy, knowing that you got to fit in. But yeah, I think uh, Jeff Lowe's outfits, you look at that dude, there's like one scene in this episode of him just kind of walking and I'm like, he is just the worst. He's got his do-rag, he's got his cap. In, adi- in addition to the Affliction uh, t-shirt, he's got these torn up jeans. I'm like, oh my God, the this guy- The leather jacket. Oh, it's he's just the worst. It's bad, it's bad. Uh, no, what I was gonna say is the the guy with no legs, why well, can't I think of his name? Um, oh yes, he said he called the FBI and the FBI told him all this is still under investigation. So my thought is maybe those guys didn't get a deal, but they just weren't charged with anything at that time because there's going to, there's still an ongoing investigation, right? And because especially since now you have two other guys that are not happy with Jeff at all now seem like they're talking, right? Right. Well, so james and yeah uh, so jeff and james break up like before we even get into this episode there's right sort of falling out uh between the two of them in the short term jeff and tim stark seem to be kind of in their honeymoon phase you know still getting along working on the new park but if we know anything about jeff he's a con man and eventually everyone's going to turn on him except for somehow not lauren like for god's sakes when you hear how he talks to her Oh yeah, you know, get her back in the gym so I can get my nanny. It's just like I can't even. I can't even go there. Puke emoji, puke emoji, puke emoji. Yeah. (laughs) Just the way he holds up his phone with like the picture of the nanny and the look on his face. I just want to be like tiny little mouth. So disgusting. Little bald peanut head. Super proud of himself. (laughs) Ugh, I don't know. Well, he even said in this episode, I think he's like, yeah. Things usually start pretty well when I work with someone, and then it always goes bad. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> I heard I a quote. Why that is. I, I don't know if I heard it or I read it recently. And it was, if you wake up in the morning and you know somebody's an asshole to you, you know, yeah, they might be an asshole. If you wake up in the morning and everybody's an asshole to you, maybe you're the asshole. You know, yeah. so it's just one of those things where it's like, ah. yeah. He probably realizes he's Look the asshole, the but but yeah. doesn't care. You know, I think he loves it. Yeah. I think he's into being an asshole. I mean, yeah. look at how he dresses. It basically there's, there's says no asshole shame. on the back of his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did get a kick out <sighs> of uh, how stressed out Jeff Ranky was about having to buy pants. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, oh, and the scene so with him in the bed. Buy pants. With the tiger, and he's clearly, like, just had way too many drugs. Oh, that's Eric. That was, uh, yeah, that's Homeboy, oh, that was Eric. Uh, Eric that Cowie. was that was that was rough to watch. That was super sad, and so that's kind of part of like what we see in this episode, which is just a lot of the fallout 
yeah, the emotional toll that it's taken on the, uh, the collateral damage. Yeah. yeah. You know, we hear from our reporter friend, Sylvia, you know, she's kind of talking about everybody flipping on Joe Dial, uh, Joe's campaign manager. He's, he's being asked, are you on team government or team Joe? You know, Joe's looking at potentially up to 80 years if all of his, uh, his charges are maxed out. They kind of specifically say what we were talking about early, which is that these charges were bundled so as to make the case more compelling against Joe. And then, yeah, we get to that part that you just mentioned, Joy, with Eric Cowie. He's kind of got that long rocker hair. And yeah, he looks like he's he drank too much or he's on something. And he's just super bummed out about the dead uh, tigers. And I've never heard anyone say this before, but I felt like I knew what he meant. He's like, it means a minute to me, a heavy minute. And you're just like, oh, dude, this guy is suffering. Like he truly did care about the animals. And he was talking about you know, seeing Joe kill him and, you know, how they're looking him in the eye. And uh, he had that emotional connection with him. And he was raising these these tigers from the time they were little little cubs, getting paid squat, maybe a hundred bucks a week, working all day, every day, no breaks. So what was he doing there? He certainly wasn't part of Joe's love triangles. He was there for the animals. And it seems like he has a lot of remorse for what happened, maybe not by his hand, but what he witnessed and what he potentially allowed Joe yeah. to do. But yeah, that poor guy, man. It looks like he's he's super depressed. That was rough. <laughs> you know, and I thought that other line he mentioned was interesting um, where he's like, they get so big so fast and then just kind of like laid back on the bed and was just kind of out of it. You know, you're just thinking about like, yeah, these cute little tiger cubs start off from like little kittens, little pets. And before you know it, five, 600 pound apex predators, what are you going to do? That aren't making you money anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Ugh. And if you add to that, uh, a lack of scruples, well, might be tempting to try and take care of that the way that Joe did. Or as we find out later, as Doc Antle does, which apparently he's like, Sounds if way those rumors are true, even Joe. worse. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've got Jeff Finley testifying against Joe. So that was kind of huge. So we actually have his, you know, his husband of- Oh, John Finley. Years. I was like, who's Jeff Finley? John Finley. Yeah. Man, dude, this is the- There's too many J's. There's way too There's many J's in this show. Jeffs exactly jeff and john from henceforth will be interchangeable moral of the story don't date or marry anyone named jeff or john <laughs> yeah and uh typically it's chad but there's no chads in this story shockingly um, i don't know how i don't know how either you need a little uh, a little flunky named chad i think i'm just fried um. from overexposure to tiger king honestly like i'm I was great for like the first handful of episodes. <laughs> I was feeling good. And uh, I think by the time I got to this one, I was just like, oh man, I am so, so over it. And I didn't even uh, live at the zoo for a year like Kirkham or some of these other folks did. I couldn't even yeah. imagine what physically being present for this, the toll that must have taken on these people. And I mean, we see it. There's no love for Joe at the trial. You know, he doesn't really have, you know, there's no real fans or supporters there for him. Everyone's flipping on him. Well, John, um, I think John Ranke said that he planned to like talk, but nobody, nobody wanted to talk to him and he doesn't know why. Cause he seemed to be like one of the guys, again, it's just what the documentary revealed. Not like he was going to go against Joe. Cause he even says that, you know, some car rallies, like, I don't know how I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to get him out of this, out of this bucket of syrup kind of thing. So it seems yeah. like he wanted to tell his side of everything, but they totally nobody wanted to hear it, which surprised me because if he wanted to, 
speak on behalf of Joe, why didn't the defense have him testify? You know, there's a lot of questions that yeah, know, this leaves everyone having kind of thing. And that's yeah. actually a good point, man. I mean, we don't really hear from Joe's defense, you know, from his legal team. I don't recall any of them being interviewed for the documentary. You don't really get an idea of what their defense really was other than to kind of say like, oh yeah, Joe is joking around to which the prosecutors very quickly are like, well, watch this video. Does that look like a joke to you? Shooting a blow up doll that says Carol in the head. And yeah, but even um, Amanda Green says we're not here in her closing argument, right? They, they showed that we're not here to uh, like bring charges on Joe based on what he posted on the internet. Cause it's at that point, it's still well, right. That's technically speech free speech. Cause yeah. he's not, at least for what they show, he never put a call to action to his, his fans or anything like, you know, someone go kill her for me or whatever. Um, so, but it is like a lot of, I know nothing about like litigation or anything like that, but it's a lot of like, peripheral type of evidence if it were you know just to show his mm -hmm. mental state and to establish a pattern i guess is what yeah. that would be for yeah i mean you talk about having someone's head in a jar and then do like a little light uh i don't know if that was like photoshopped or what in there it's kind of hard to see that and then be like yep this guy was uh, stable and definitely was not planning on killing the person whose you know right head he wants to have in a jar who's breath he wants to stop breathing who whose uh, likeness he's shooting and blowing up and everything like that so yeah absolutely you're not going to actually be able to charge somebody for that stuff which is why he said all that stuff for so long but in the context of a court case i mean that's definitely going to have an impact on a jury so we're seeing the fallout folks are flipping on joe john finley testifies against him for both killing tigers and for the plot against carol it seems like there was some implication of Jeff Lowe in all of it, which again kind of brings the question, why wasn't Jeff actually involved in the trial? Why did he Why did he not have to make some sort of statement? Like, it just seemed kind of strange that, I don't know how he skated through this whole thing. I think it kind of goes back to him really being an effective con man, which is what the reporter Sylvia Corkle calls him. They even mention, you know, why did Alan Glover get off? You know, it's a, it's a mystery. It doesn't really make sense. You know, and I think the other thing that was kind of crazy was they specifically have Alan perjur uh, perjuring himself, uh, Alan Glover, saying that he went down to Florida to kill Carol. And then on video and in recordings, he's like, I never went to Florida. I ain't going to do that. Yeah, so it's weird. I don't know how that's like, I don't know how the Netflix documentary coming out didn't get him in jail for just that, for lying on the stand. But Which again, probably like would be grounds for appeal, right? I mean, a mistrial or something, if you're kind of key yeah. witness, lied. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, in the future with this, like what we're going to hear or see or find out. Because it just sounds like there's still a lot of moving pieces. Well, and obviously as 2020 progressed, what seemed like the craziest thing of the year, which is Tiger King, ended up being like Not so, just, a little, yeah. just a little aperitif, just a little appetizer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> little did we know how far things would go from there but yeah i mean so there's really some questionable stuff uh related to alan glover he clearly lies on the stand i mean we see him con conflicting himself talking to the camera for the netflix documentary versus what he what he said it seems like that would significantly change the jury's perception of at least the murder for hire charges 
I mean, if the hitman that you hired and paid money for promptly goes and spends it on exotic dancers and cocaine or whatever he was spending it on in South Carolina and never even went to Florida, it kind of questions, well, was it a real plot? Going back to what you're saying, Seamus, like, why did they trust these guys? And I don't know, it's just really, this whole part, I don't think that Joe is innocent, but I think from a legal perspective and from a, I mean, having a fair day in court, it does not seem like that that happened. That the case actually wasn't as strong and maybe that's why they did bundle everything in and bundled in the animal charges and bundled in the murder for hire rather than having those be tried separately because if you kind of do it all in one shot, you have a better chance of getting something to stick versus if you tried them separately on these things and maybe without that context, it would be harder to get a guilty verdict. And they, again, maybe just were like, we know this guy's guilty. We know what we need to do to get that guilty verdict. And we're just going to kind of do that. But it seems like there's some sketchy business along the way, which I'm still not sure how that all went down the way that it did. And then, yeah, like going again, back to what you were saying, like Jeff Renke, you know, he is the manager of the zoo for 15 odd years. They never even talked to him. It was kind of funny that he just looked like the kid who didn't get picked for the baseball team you know when talking about yeah that. he was really sad about it he's like well, i don't know why they didn't pick me i mean i've been at the zoo for 15 years and i called him bought, and they just he never called me back and he bought pants, pants right exactly <laughs> poor guy yeah he had his special court pants on and everything but then it does again uh, as we already talked about it seems like maybe jeff would have advocated for joe and maybe that's why they didn't want to hear what he had to say. You know, they wanted to kind yeah. of panic. But why wouldn't the defense call him, you know? Inexplicable. That's, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of like holes in the story portion of the criminal trial. Absolutely. You know, one thing I wonder, I wonder if the reason that we didn't hear from his legal team and it just seems like they didn't really do a good job from what we're seeing. I wonder if he just got a court appointed Maybe. I mean, I'm sure he's broke at this point. Yeah. You know, if we think about how he already cashed on, cashed in all his chips, just duking it out with Carol over stupid stuff. Yeah. Copyright. And he may have got an attorney that has no desire to be in the press or the media and just is like head down doing their job. That could be one explanation. I will say Amanda Green, um, I do like that she read part of her uh, closing statement. Mike drops it kills it mm -hmm. as yeah. we would expect from Amanda Green. <laughs> from her, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe inexplicably thinks he has a chance at getting off and is actually kind of projecting like, yep, you know, it's going to be, a, I'm starting over from scratch and this and that. I guess he thought he was going to get through it. Amanda Green mm -hmm. says, fuck that shit. Boom. Guilty. So that's yep. our verdict. Guilty, guilty, guilty. All the charges all of the charges, they all stuck. Murder for hire, yep. breeding, tiger killing. And uh, yeah, Jeff Renke, he's he's sad. Kind of says man's gonna die in there, which seems like that may be the case. He didn't end up getting the full 80 years. I think it's 22 years is what they ultimately stuck him with yeah. in terms of a sentence. And predictably, Joe's not taking it well. And predictably, Howard and Carol are popping bottles and brie. They're having a good old time. They're having a fancy little wine and cheese party. Yep. <laughs> Charcuterie time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Singing some, uh, singing some opera. Howie. Howie. 
<laughs> Sing it for me, Howie. Oh god. Those two. There's something about the brie. Like when, when they're like, oh yeah, gonna get our bottle of champagne out when we heard Joe was was guilty. And then Howard's like, yeah, that was definitely a champagne and brie night. And I was just like, oh. Like there's something like <laughs> something adorable about it, but then also something like really kind of, I don't know, kind of creepy a little bit too. It's a little like, bit cringe. A little bit yeah, cringe. Yeah, yeah, a little cringe. He seems like the kind of guy who would just get down on some brie. I think maybe that's it. Just like the visual. Just just eating it like a pizza. Yeah, just <laughs> pull it like big cheese pulls of brie. <laughs> oh, gosh. Breaking through that crusty layer with some uh, some fine crackers from Costco. I don't know. I don't know where they shop. But yeah, so then, you know, looks like Jeff's really kind of shutting down the, you know, shutting down the zoo, really scaling everything back we'd mentioned it before he's really looking forward to finding a nanny super gross uh seems like he's planning on sexually harassing her immediately uh before he's even hired her poor girl like he already is. expects her to have like yeah it's like sex a job with him. yeah it's like a condition of the job Ugh. So gross. I feel like they're actually like going on like back pages or some sort of, you know, uh, you know, sex worker site or something. Not like a, none of those. Legit nanny site. (laughs) I don't think this is a nanny site. You know, there's no grandmas in there, you know, like just no (laughs) kindly old ladies that are going to watch your kids. It's like, I don't know what they're, what, I don't know what nannies they're looking at. Those are not the nannies that I, that I've seen in my life. Clearly, Jeff is excited about that, and Lauren, again, somehow is not completely offended by it, more tolerant than any person should be ever in the world. So that's all super gross. We kind of get some hints that there might be some some trouble brewing for Jeff, despite the fact that he kind of narrowly evaded any sort of consequences for this particular set of circumstances. He's still defiant. Basically, it was just kind of saying, like, put up or shut up. Interestingly enough, he never says, I'm innocent. You know, when they're talking to him about kind of digging up dirt on Joe and egging him on, he's like, well, you know, you might call it setting him up, but I call it investigating or something like that. So he's not really even saying he didn't do any of that stuff. He's not saying he didn't yeah. do anything illegal. He's not saying he didn't really set Joe up. Like, it seems like, that, like yeah, That brought up a question for me, too, because I know if law enforcement did something similar, it would be entrapment. But if it's like right. a you know, any legal listener experts out there, is it, is there some sort of like law that is similar to like civilian entrapment? Can another person entrap you? Yeah. Can, can like a friend entrap you with something? I mean, it seems like just by like, just by pushing all your buttons, but is it legal is my question. Yeah. I I don't know. Oh, well, I mean, at least in this case, it held up in court. I mean, that's the whole thing with Alan Glover was all based off of this. Right. Um, well, unless the defense attorneys didn't think about it, because we don't know what their plan was. Who knows, man? Thing, yeah, you know? yeah. Why wouldn't they? How did we, as just watchers of this show, come up <laughs> with a stronger defense than <laughs> what Joe actually received? Again, not even saying that Joe's innocent, but just from a legal perspective. I mean, it didn't seem like it was yeah. a fair trial. But also, just we don't actually know what his defense was. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't get anything from that side so we don't actually know what was said in court what they objected to like we don't know a lot so so that's still the mystery so still loose ends there you know too many questions more questions than answers at that uh, at that stage joe's got the guilty maybe it'll all get answered in the doc antle version 
Netflix. They're just and, uh, they're just gonna split out. Like each character is gonna get his own seven episodes. I mean, I still want more Doc Antle. Yeah, yeah, because he definitely like fell by the wayside after episode three. Didn't in, didn't they say in this episode too? They're like, yeah, Doc. Uh, so how come you didn't get like? Or and he's like, what 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 do you got on me? Who what what did I do? Like, yeah. It's like he said yeah. something like, "Cause I'm not an idiot" or something like that. Yeah. But remember when they got into that storage unit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the paperwork, and it said Doc Antle, and he like the kid closed it real quick and yeah, put it Dylan away. Passage was yeah, like, no, Dylan no, no, was like, that. "Nope, not that." So. Yeah. So there's this whole sequence where you know we we kind of finalize Joe's trial. We know he's got the guilty verdict. He's in jail now. Okay. So what is everybody doing now that Joe's in jail? Carol and Howard are eating their their brie. Uh, Jeff, uh, Brie Jeff and Brie, Brie, Brie and Bubbly. Um, yeah, Jeff Lowe is creeping on nannies and just being gross. James Garrison is riding out in style on a sea doo, living his best. Oh, life. to Eye of the Tiger, man, is that an amazingly like oh, put together? That's a good scene. scene. <laughs> wow, it's the best editing in the entire series. <laughs> I totally it's forgot so about good. that whole scene. And, you know, it's funny. I heard some people in um, some other podcasts uh, I was listening to referring to him, not by James Gerritsen, but like literally they're just like, yeah, the CDU guy. I'm like, what are they talking about? The CDU guy. <laughs> and then I saw this and I was like, eh, yeah, he is the CDU guy. He looked so free and so just like a childlike. He, he's uh, living his best life right now. I think, yeah, yeah hopefully. When, he was, when he was filming that sequence, when he's like, oh, you guys are going to film me in slow motion on a jet ski? hell yeah he had the whole like i'm an action hero in my head when he's when he's riding up you know he's got the wrap around shades yep. from like terminator 2 era yeah amazing like he, bet, he thought he was king shit well he that. so he's doing what joe did with his tiger king tv mm-hmm. series little intro uh, mm-hmm. sizzle reel he's just watching that on repeat <laughs> yeah james garrettson yep. has got like a strip club somewhere or whatever he's doing for employment and he's just running that thing on loop People are kind of having fun. Some people are trying to stay uh, not arrested. And Joe's like, I'm going to take down every single person that I possibly can. Hey, Dylan, go into my storage unit and uh, pull out the files. That's where we get a, a little snippet of some documents that seem to very clearly show Doc Antle purchasing tigers from Joe with some documentation uh, to prove that. Joe's having Dylan turn this stuff over to PETA. So now he's working with PETA. Uh, this is where we hear about how Doc handled older cats and kittens, which is super gross. Uh, apparently, he was allegedly gassing and cremating them. Very disturbing. Uh, seems kind of in alignment with what we would expect from Doc, though. Just kind of more taking sophisticated. Things. Right. Yeah. Joe throws the tigers in the back of his property where they can be dug up and evidence can be used against them. And uh, Doc, on the other hand, is like, how are you going to target me? What evidence? He's using the, yeah, just a more uh, sophisticated method of, of hiding all that. Again, how does he not get in trouble? I don't know. There's so many people that were involved in this thing that seemed like they should have also been charged with something. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is a lot of this information, Peter didn't have till Joe turned it over. So. How much is PETA cooperating with the FBI? Uh, we just don't know who's sharing what with who. Right. <laughs> well, clearly PETA was stoked to have these files. It seems like there's going to be some, 
maybe not legal investigations, but some action taken by them to kind of do what they do, which is to say, point some bad PR in the direction of folks like Doc Antle. And frankly, whoever else was in Joe's files, which seems like the vast majority of the big cat breeders and owners in the country, because as we know, going to earlier episodes, uh, that guy Mario was involved. Doc Antle was trading with Joe. Jeff Lowe was trading and selling tigers uh, with Joe. So all of them are all interconnected. I did think it was pretty funny though, where, um, you know, we've got this scene of Howard and Carol and they're talking about winning. And I was just like thinking of that song, all I do is win, win, win. And felt like that would have been the perfect kind of background montage for Carol. Slow motion of them popping bubbly. Exactly. That's what it needed. Yeah. They missed a really just to kind of take that section of James Garrison on a sea do and back it up to that. <laughs> Beautiful. Would have been amazing. It's not too late, Netflix. It's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, predictably, uh, Tim Stark and Jeff Lowe break up because Jeff Lowe screws everybody. And so now Tim's all pissed off at him. Yeah, Tim said he was doing all the work and Jeff wasn't doing anything, which is what all the original zookeepers and right. employees at GW Zoo said is like, he doesn't do anything. He just like goes and hangs out with cats and uses them to his advantage yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, it se- Jeff seems to me to like fancy himself some super successful businessman that just gets everyone else to do his bidding kind of thing. And yeah, he's just all smirky about it. He's a, is a, wonter- a wonterpreneur. Like he wants to be an entrepreneur, he wants to be a businessman, but he doesn't. I actually wouldn't even put it work. that way because the way I think about the term entrepreneur is it's just you're not making any progress to become like run a business. It's still just a hobby that somehow makes a little bit of money, right? He's mm-hmm. almost the opposite of that. Yeah, know? he's not working at all. Entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. not doing any work. He's just a con artist. I mean, yeah, I guess that's plain just a and con simple. Man. Just a con man, you know, getting other people to do his work, getting other people to pay his bills. Using cats instead of having a personality to get girls. Right. Exactly. That allows him to hang on to affliction t-shirts and jeans, do rags and Oakley hats. Yes. Don't, yeah. Don't forget the Oakley hats. It's just so funny, man. Like, like when was all that stuff in style? Was it like maybe early 2000s, kind of mid 2000s? Feel like uh, the ultimate fighter. Uh, reality show on Spike was probably really popular then. Yeah, I mean that sort of design work was was probably yeah like early to like 2010 maybe because it was even big in the CrossFit community. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they that had tap like, out brand. Yeah, and well, it's funny. So John Finley actually has a tap out tattoo. No. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Is that yeah, what I, he he replaced his property of Joe Exotic tattoo with? No, it, the tap out, I just noticed it on actually the, like, you know, the summary episode that's next that Joel McHale hosts, ah, but it oh, shows a picture sneaky of, peaky. yeah, it shows a, a picture of John and his wife, I think it, now, um, and he's shirtless, of course, because he's like, yeah, you know, I got all these tattoos, why not show them off? Um, and the tap out logo I noticed is on his arm. Perfect. Yeah. Par for the course. <laughs> So yeah, so, you know, obviously there's some celebrating and some uh, people who are happy that Joe's in jail, but, you know, as, as you mentioned before, you get some of the commentary from the staff, like Saf, who's like, nobody won. This whole thing was basically effed. Uh, Jeff Ranke's over it. Apparently he's over his wife as well, leaves his wife. 
John Finley's getting his property of Joe exotic tattoos removed. So people are just kind of like clearing things out. And then we kind of have this like moment of clarity from Josh Dial. And I remember this is one of the sections that really stuck with me from the first time I viewed uh, Tiger King, where I was like, he's kind of the only sane person in this whole thing. He says, you know, imagine what Joe and Carol could have done if they actually cared about the cats. Like if all that money that they had spent in their legal battles and the millions of dollars. And I mean, honestly, if we think about it, like even from Carol's perspective, her coming after Joe the way that she did, yes, all she does is win, 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 win. But by winning that judgment against him, what did that do? It just made him crank up the the cub petting. So basically like how many more tigers were bred because of her going after Joe from that from that And having to pay her. Exactly. exactly. And he and he said that. He's like, well, what? Am, how am I going to pay you if not by doing what I do, which is breeding and, and petting tigers? So, I mean, there's probably dozens of new baby tigers that were born as a result of her actions against right. Joe, you know? And so nobody's yeah. looking at the big picture, except for Josh. Yeah. He's, he's the one who saw through it all. And then there's that little section where they show like an old news, uh, you know, some old news footage that seems to show Joe, maybe 10, 15 years prior, actually caring about the cats and and sounding yeah. a lot like Carol at that time where he's saying like none of them should be in cages including in my sanctuary which it originally was GW Zoo started off as so it's like maybe he really did care at some point and was corrupted by the money and the power and the ego inflation and everything so yeah, yeah I mean, he it's a says story. he says early on in the series I think that like Doc Antle is sort of a mentor of his where like he so, he tried to model that thing like saw the big pageantry and everything that doc antle had so this is just a guess but maybe that's when he got into the cub petting because he saw it was working so well for doc right yeah i mean they talked about some of the the numbers i mean i think like a single tiger cub you know is like six figures over the course of their petable time period he was making some serious money i mean he was living it up for a while there and for someone who's susceptible to that, again, to bring it all back, we haven't really talked about it a ton, but you know, if we bring it all back, we do know that Joe had a traumatic childhood. He was abused for somebody who maybe saw money and power and control as something that could provide the safety that he didn't have growing up to have that kind of dangled around. Maybe the, the, the pull and the allure was too great for him to resist. And then as you start to feed into that, it just builds and builds and builds takes on a whole new life of its own creates like almost like a dr jekyll and mr hyde type of ego or alternate identity and next thing you know you've got a tiger king or a so-called tiger king it's crazy yeah but it does like make sense in its own way and i mean even with like carol if we look at her backstory and how she was also someone who was abused also somebody who had a traumatic childhood well what was the lesson that she took well if you if you're gonna punch me i'm gonna punch you back twice as hard and that's kind of like what she was saying like i always win you know yeah. so maybe for her again it's it wasn't really about the animals it's about kind of her own internal need to kind of create some safety and security and and to know that hey if you're going to come after me i'm a survivor i'm a fighter i'm going to throw a potato at you i'm going to like do you know whatever it takes to get away or to hey you're going to leave me well i'm going to I don't know, maybe take you out or if you do ditch I have me, some I'm sardine take oil money, in, in the cabinet. Hit you with some sardine oil, toss you in a little hand crank meat grinder. I don't actually think she did any of that. I'm just kidding. But um but hand crank though, meat grinder, that would be that's some commitment right there. She'd have yeah. just like a massive bicep on one side. <laughs> yeah. 
I just feel, you know, I said this at the beginning, throughout this whole entire documentary, you get moments where you get to feel empathy for, for some of these people, but it doesn't let you stay there long. And seeing that original old school news footage of Joe, you just want him to, why weren't you that person the whole time? Where did that person go? Because that's somebody that I think everyone would have with his charisma and that kind of attitude and champion for the animals. He could have done way better than Carol's ever done for herself. Do you know what I mean? If he had stayed on that path of going against someone like Doc and it just, again, it it lets you feel, you feel sad. You feel sad for him in that moment, man, you had this great opportunity and you just let other things you know, distract you. I think it's just a good lesson too, that like whatever you are doing in your life, don't get distracted by all the noise. Like don't get distracted by the bells and whistles and the shiny, pretty objects. Like keep focus on what really matters. Like what's going to matter when you're 80. Anyone can stray from like the righteous path that they're on. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that we don't all make mistakes. You know, I see it as, kind of like the road to hell paved with good intentions you know that's kind of like what joe said when he was talking about the chimpanzees that he had caged next to each other for 10 years and then you know finally when they're released to a sanctuary hug each other absolutely devastating that whole sequence joe kind of having a moment of clarity it seemed like where he's you know said that he you know basically prevented them from being chimpanzees and his excuse was i was wrapped up in having a zoo and so i think that goes back to you know what we're saying about the money you know building this business getting the power, getting the attention, layering substance abuse. You know, clearly there's a lot of that going on. Unprocessed trauma. I think he was seeing a counselor at any point. And, you know, I think that that's one of those things where can in our lives make small justifications for things. And then that leads to another small justification for things and another small justification for things. And then you multiply that up over the years and you've really drifted. I remember hearing and this is kind of like in the help, uh, self-help space, like a boat, for example, if a boat changes its course by one degree, yeah. it's not that big of a deal initially, but over time, it makes all the difference. And so for good or for ill, what would happen if you changed your life just by one degree and did that day after day after day? If you changed it for the good and focused on how do I be a better person? How do I be a more honest person by 1% every single day? Well, eventually, I mean, you're going to be a freaking Buddha if you really are consistent with that. And inversely, if you go 1% towards evil every single day, you're going to end up being what uh, Rick Kirkham says is basically the most evil person he's ever encountered. And that was a person, Rick had uh, interviewed serial killers and murderers in his time as a journalist. And he said, Joe Exotic Peak was the most evil person that he had ever met. And, you know, Carol talks about just the kind of the negative energy coming off of Joe. And you flash back to what you were just talking about, Joy, and you see the innocent Joe or the Joe that had, hadn't yet been corrupted by all this. And you're like, man, you can really, really lose your way as a person uh, and maybe not even realize it until it's, at least in Joe's case, too late. Who knows if he's going to have that second act? It definitely seems like he feels like he will seems like Joe is pretty intent on somehow getting out and has, I guess, 
I'm not going to put it past him. Like maybe he can figure out a way to get out of it. He's he, he too has been a survivor. He too has been somebody who's gone beyond what may have been expected of him. But I don't know. I think when it's all said and done, you know, we have Carol still kind of doing Carol's thing. Joe's in jail now. The Big Cat Safety Act did not pass. There's still more tigers in captivity in the U.S. than in the wild. And so we're kind of right back to square one. It's, it's kind of like this whole series was a microcosm of the macrocosm, which is to say, you know, we just kind of keep doing the same stuff and some stuff changes, but when it's all said and done, it's kind of like we're still in the same world and it's still got some good in it and still got some bad in it, but kind of same shit, different day is kind of what it felt like at the very end of this. And it kind of makes you wonder, it's like, well, what's the point? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what Saf said. Right. He just said no animals benefited at all amongst the, you know, during this war and you know, the new news that came out, I don't know, a month ago or something like that is Carol now has, has been given possession of GW zoo. Well, that's, and that's a good point because when Jeff took over ownership of the zoo, he also took over all the zoo's outstanding liabilities, which included the judgment against Joe exotic that still hadn't been paid off. So I'm sure that was part of Jeff's desire to just get out of the, the legal morass that he had found himself wrapped up in. So that is interesting that technically Carol did, did win in that regard. She got Joe's zoo. I don't know if she's doing anything with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I read something the other day that uh, Jeff Lowe's plan is just to leave it a complete disaster for her. You know, so taking like a page out of uh, taking pretty a page much out of like he's playbook. just he does not give a shit about anything, and seems like he's planning on going out of his way to completely trash the place before he leaves, because he has like 100 days or 120 days to vacate something like that. So that's a long time to really like mess a place up. Yeah. yeah, he can do a lot of damage, a lot of damage in that amount of time for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just like I said at the beginning of this, no, nobody wins here. You don't feel good after watching this episode. You just kind of do feel a little helpless. Like, what's the point? And like, yeah. But are we not know. entertained? <laughs> oh, very entertained. <laughs> you know, I do think something will come out of this. And I think it will be, I hope that justice will be served for everyone eventually, but who knows how long that will take or what that will look like. Yeah. It could be a longer time period than we really will be able to perceive. There's actually this book that I read uh, several years ago. I think it was Steven Pinker was the author and it's called the better angels or better angels of our nature, something along those lines. You know, he goes back to the very beginning of human history and he talks about how we really have made quite a bit of progress, but you have to take that, that big view of thousands of years to really see it. And he talks about the widening circle of empathy and how at one time, women and children were treated like property, like not that much different than a you know, farm animal. We had kids mining and things like that during the industrial revolution, especially in Europe. And you know, they weren't, there was no rights for children. There's no rights for women. There's no rights for you know, anybody. And it wasn't until the 1700s with humanist movements that people started to think, well, maybe we should actually care about people who are not ourselves. I mean, that's 1700s. Uh, so we've not really been that great as a species when it comes to empathizing with other human beings. Just the fact that we even care about animals at this point 
it does speak to the fact that we have made progress. You know, just the fact that we care about things like women's rights and social justice and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Like, just the fact that we're moving in that direction, it never is going to, I don't think it's ever going to feel like enough. And it's always going to feel like we're not doing enough. But if we do pull back and we look at that, that wider view, it's kind of like, man, we were just super terrible for so long. And we're, we're, we're less terrible now. So that's the good yeah. news. We just we just sucked a little bit less. That's yeah. It. But let's you know it's like they it's it's like they say sucking if, less. Yeah, let's celebrate sucking less. Awesome. It's like they, that that might be that one percent improvement that we're going. <laughs> right, right. It's like they say if we get a zombie apocalypse, it's not the zombies that you should be afraid of; it's other people. Um, yeah. So this episode, we don't get a little twist at the end. We just get a nice little memory of what it's all about and it's about seeing a tiger and that tiger seeing a man and that's our <laughs> tiger king final act i will say i actually went to um our local zoo just to kind of see like how do i feel about zoos now and i was like this is actually a well-run facility nobody's petting the animals they've got big spacious enclosures natural you know close to natural uh, environments not crowded at all I think there's maybe like two tigers in this like giant tiger exhibit. Do I feel like they belong in zoos of any kind, even well-run ones? No, but if these animals exist and they're not capable of being reintroduced into the wild, and if those wild spaces themselves maybe don't exist anymore, or if they do are populated with poachers and hunters that are then gonna just turn around and kill the animals, and is that even a better option? So. I kind of think that this is one of those things where the ideal is no longer even an option. You know, perfect is no longer even an option. You know, how do we make the situation as it is the best that it possibly can be? And I think that that's better sanctuaries, better parks, better zoos, because these animals are, are being bred. They exist now. Again, that's kind of my big bone to pick and, on this and, series And better laws to stop right. breeding. Exactly. We got to stop breeding. Exactly. Them. Yeah. That's a big thing. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got to stop pumping the kittens out. Yep, just like puppy mills, they need to they right. need to go away. They need exactly. to be done. Yeah, we're not solving <laughs> the problem, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, we can we can take a symptom approach, just like with modern medicine, and kind of be like, oh, we're gonna kind of whack a mole all the symptoms, but we're not getting down to the heart of the matter, which is breeding these animals in the first place, importing them from the wild in some cases in the first place. I would have loved to have seen that in this documentary diving into that you know that's kind of my biggest issue with it you know as entertaining as it was and I'll, I'll admit it was entertaining to follow the trajectory of joe and carol's tragic you know entanglement but the animals were a sideshow uh, they're they're just kind of props to this whole thing so episode seven thumbs up thumbs down last one in the series was it working for you I would, I mean, you have to go with the thumbs up. This one we got, even though we didn't get that good feeling at the end of a show that I always like to get, Joe's in jail where he should be, a lot of other people should be there with him. Hopefully that happens. Joe like fully turning a page and giving everything to PETA and hopefully a lot of good comes out of that. So there's still more to this story. Thumbs up for me on the last one. 
<laughs> yeah, same for me. Thumbs up because there's tons of speculation, and that's I think that's part of what made it so so big. Other than everyone was trapped inside and had to watch Netflix and everything, but um, yeah, there's way more questions that they kind of left unanswered after this episode for me, even more so than the last episode. Because the last episode they were just like hinting at the questions, and I was like, huh, I wonder why would they would trust three felons. But this one, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that either wasn't shown or they just didn't get that sort of information or yeah, since in, according to some people on the show, investigations are ongoing and, and all that kind of stuff. It, yeah. It lets you, lets your mind wander and dive into your own conspiracy theories about each and every character. But yeah, it's such a vast little world that each, each person could have their own series which we've joked about throughout this whole thing and you know the, i want to see the the doc antle like you know safari master series and then you know a carol series would be good too so oh. episode seven for me just <laughs> looking at this episode in particular you know i do think we finally found out what happened to joe he's in jail for the foreseeable future carol seems like she's no longer uh, fearing for her life which is good She's satisfied with brie and champagne, you know. She's, she's swimming she's in, in brie and bubbly. James Garrettson living his best life on the sea do. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is some closure there. I would like to see Jeff Lowe charged with several different crimes because I'm sure he either has already committed them or is going to commit them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's no pre-crime division yet, you know. We're not in minority report land. Not yet. Not yet. We can hope. We can hope. Yeah. I mean, this, I don't know. This is still a bit of a depressing episode. I mean, just the fallout, you know, with all the employees, people who had devoted their entire lives to, to, to Joe's vision of or his original vision of actually caring about animals and, and caring about the park to see that all just kind of fall away, just into ashes, literally in some cases. I don't know if he mentions it into, in this, uh, in this series, but Rick Kirkham, he, was at a point where he was drinking like a handle of, of uh, rum a night, trying to not think about the year he spent with Joe Exotic and ended up checking himself into like an inpatient, you know, mental health facility to dry out and process some of, some of the trauma. So he's, he's now one living of the guests in like Iceland or whatever. Yeah, he's one of the guests in the, in the wrap up kind of thing. Um, and some of the stuff that he reveals is pretty interesting where you're like holy shit but yeah yeah i mean so there's a lot of a lot of damage was done and i guess that's kind of the big picture where you know we had these wounded people to start with you know joe and carol you know they were they were they were victims at one point they were wounded at one point um but and i think this is the line that that always comes back for this kind of stuff um and I think about this in my life a lot. It's not your it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And I think about that in the context of childhoods, of parents, of past relationships, of past bad decisions, of any number of things that can happen to us in our lives. We certainly can be victimized. Bad things do happen. I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people that believes like all in on law of detraction and, and, and the secret and everything where it's like, yes, like, you know, we are just attracting everything into our lives that, you know, that we need. And then people look at that and like, well, what did that little kid do to deserve cancer? Like, did they law of attract, you know, childhood leukemia? Like, it's just, I think it, I think that's like a shitty application of it, but 
no matter what is thrown at us, there is an indomitable aspect of the human spirit that has the capacity and the ability to turn it into an opportunity. Not that you should, but that you could. And I never would blame anybody for not necessarily doing that. But I do look at both Joe and Carol and think to myself, they really could have turned things in a much different direction. Not that they should have, not that they even had the capability within them. And, and you can never say what somebody should or shouldn't have done because you're not in their shoes and you're not in their situation. But I could just envision a different world where, like you were saying, Joy, you know, Joe's facility actually was a great sanctuary for animals. You know, seeing a situation where maybe he and Carol were actually working together to get this big cat law passed. And we actually could stop the tiger um, breeding and the big cat breeding that's creating this problem in the first place. So just knowing that that potential is out there, you know, maybe this show made that clear for people seeing it. You know, the series did provide such a great launching point for conversations around things like trauma, around things like animal rights, animal abuse. So there's just a ton here, even beyond the surface level stuff of just insanity and drugs and blowing stuff up and guns. So yeah, I got to give it a thumbs up. The TLDR version, thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So yeah, so we're going to have our final uh, episode to discuss the wrap up stuff, some of the things that have come to light since the Tiger King originally aired, some of the news stories that have emerged. You know, we'll look in what Jeff Lowe's up to, what Carol's up to, um, some of their celebrity feuds that they've been getting into. And yeah, just kind of digging around to see, you know, what's what's happening and just kind of put a bow on this thing so that, uh, you know, we can move on with our lives. And uh, I think I've just got that picture of Joe Exotic from the, I guess you could say like cover art in the in the Netflix you know, browser. So when you're like flipping through, it's just him with his mullet. I've got that burned into my brain now. Like that's just like in there. Well, it's his mugshot. I think it's, it's his just mugshot. A, it's a stylized version of it. Yeah. It's going to take a while, a while for that to fade, but in time, all wounds heal. In time. Yep. We'll get we'll there. We'll just have to replace it with something else. Whatever yeah. we decide to do next. So wink, wink. <laughs> maybe we'll uh maybe we can tease that in the in the follow-up yeah. yeah well i appreciate all of you listening to this for hanging with us for seven full episodes of tiger king it's been a crazy ride if you haven't watched the show and you listen to this for some inexplicable reason go back and watch the show so you can see what we were talking about this whole time if you had watched the show i don't know maybe rewatch it i don't know or maybe save yourself the trouble. I mean, we pretty much covered it. So if you listen to this, you probably actually don't even need to watch the show. You got the full experience uh, and maybe saved yourself some of the uh, some of the gory details. Yeah, we did it so you don't have to do it again. There you yeah. go. Okay, this except is our public the, service. Except yes. the Seizu sequence, watch that. We'll find it on I'm YouTube. Sure I'm sure that's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, 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 we can we can get a clip of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll post a link uh, to that in the show notes. That's the only thing that you really should see is just yeah. that on the James Garrison on the CD. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Netflix and Podcast. Talk to you next time. Just a quick final note. 
If you like this episode, if you want to hear more Netflix and podcast coverage of Netflix originals, let us know what you think by sending us an email at netflixandpodcastshow at gmail.com. That's Netflix and A-N-D podcast show at gmail.com.